Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling this month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Brent Bowers, Brent is part of the BowersBowlingTour.com team from Bel Air, Kansas. Their team recently took over the regular team lead and team all-events lead at the USBC Open Championships in Reno. They shot a 33.77 for team, and their team all-events total was 97.30. That is 11 pins better than the previous leader, Hornswogglers of Staten Island, New York. Brent is a two-time member of Junior Team USA, a two-time collegiate national champion for Wichita State. Brent, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining us again. It's been a while, but uh, glad to have you back on. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, your team took over the, all, the, the team all-events lead and the regular singles lead on Saturday and Friday, uh, you know, collectively. 33-77, when you guys did the practice session, then you went upstairs, 19 and 20. Did you think you had it in you? And, uh, and what were your thoughts heading in after the practice session? You know, uh, we, we had practiced a couple times here in Wichita before going out, not with the whole crew, obviously, because we're all uh, not in the exact same you know, place. But uh, uh, we, we had a pretty good idea. We were just pretty simple. We were going to burn as much as we could, you know, right of seven. And just try to just try to create some friction out there that we could kind of camp out on, and, and we actually attempted to uh, in the practice session, um, the official practice session there in Reno. We actually attempted half the group through shiny or plastic down the middle part of the lane, and the rest of us through charcoal on the right side part of the lane. Uh, you know, for the first five minutes of practice, just to see if we could possibly create some hold or lengthen the pattern a little bit in the middle. And uh, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. I, I wasn't really convinced that we needed to bother trying it. But I, but I supported us trying it because I feel like if, if some of the guys in our group thought that that would have worked, then I'd, I'd rather get it out in a practice session and see if it really does work. That way they don't, they're not questioning whether or not it does. So we did it. It didn't work out very well in the practice session. 
so the, the goal really was just to stay right uh, at least for game one, maybe game one and a half, uh, you know, outside of second arrow. And uh, we burned them pretty well in, in, in practice. And then, uh, you know, we had one guy on our squad, Zach Rhodes, who, uh, for whatever reason, the angles to the fronts just, just wasn't working for him playing where we were at. And so he finally kind of threw his hands up in the air and said, I gotta, I gotta go get some more pins. Um, and, 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 and he kind of felt, jumped the last, fell into his comfort zone. And, uh, and then he just absolutely goes crazy after shooting a buck 80 game one. He, he, uh, he shoots, uh, shoots the big, uh, I think he shot the big 270 game two with the 260 game three. Um, but when he made, when he made that jump at the end of game one, beginning of game two, it certainly made me a little nervous. I thought we were there a little bit too quick, but uh, about halfway through game two, he dragged the other three guys with him, and, and everything just looked so good for them. And I, I, I stayed right and grinded for a little bit longer, and probably a little longer than I should have. But, uh, but yeah, once we got to that spot where Zach jumped in, in the middle part of the lane, uh, middle of game two, we were there the rest of the time with, with, with minor moves. I was really surprised. Whatever we did to them, whatever we did to initiate the hold in the middle of our lane, it worked. Um, because, uh, like I say, our, our moves were very, very minimal once we got to the middle part of the lane. Brent, you mentioned one of your guys jumped in a little bit early. But from what I've been hearing and what I've been even reading from some of the stuff Jeff Riggles is writing is that if one guy moves in or two guys move in, it's not quite as bad as a whole team jumping in too early. seems like that's when you're going to run into some troubles. Yeah, if anything, it felt like it blended a little bit. Um, you know, uh, uh, it just, uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I just can't explain it. You know, I mean, we, 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 we blended them out really well. And again, yeah, I mean, the most, the furthest I think I got was maybe, maybe 15 or 16 at the, uh, at the O's. But uh, once we got there, it just, I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't remember us making a move in Game Three. Uh, it just kind of, just kind of held up there, and uh, we went and chased on every pin that we could. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it 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 worked out well for us. And I'm not 100 sure if we tried it ten more times, we could get it done like that again. Um, but uh, but I'm glad it worked. I'm glad it worked when it did. Great. So then you got to come back the following day after all the excitement of you guys doing this on Friday night. You have to come back Saturday and talk about that experience in a bowling doubles and singles. And also, I guess, what your thought of the pattern, you know, the differences in the patterns are, you know, only the one, one foot more in length. So did you notice any, any major differences or did you just go out there, same attitude of same, we're going to play them this way and see where the, where the pins fall? Yeah, we didn't play them. We didn't play them really any different at all. You know, you get less practice time in, in doubles and singles. So you get less time to try to, to try to create any friction out there for yourself. So, we spent the first three minutes in the same spot, same part of the lane that we did the previous day, trying to uh, trying to burn up a little bit, a little, little bit of a hole. Um, and I'll tell you what, that doubles pattern, just bottom line, is just, it's just, it's just hard. It's just really, really hard. And uh, you know, we come out of the gate. I don't know if any of us shot 200. Someone might have grinded to get there, but uh, it was bad for all of us. And uh, um, you know, it was about middle of game two. That I actually did jump because, uh, Chris, I mean, Chris, for whatever reason, was, was, was jumping constantly looking for hold and it just didn't really exist. Um, and for whatever reason, the, the, the paradox, um, solid. Uh, when I got into about 14, 15, I saw a significant amount of, uh, of area there again. And that, again, I, from the middle of game two till the end of those six games, I probably moved a total of four boards once I got into that spot. 
Now, again, I'm not sure if that's a credit of our ability to stay right for as long as we did or, or what it is. My, my pair also was a little bit different. We had two guys from uh, the Dallas area on our pair. that We didn't, we, we didn't really know them. One of them was a left-hander. The other one was a pretty low river guy. We had the girls, uh, Ashley and, and Caitlin, on our pair, so staying right with a little less rev rate. So maybe just because there wasn't as much traffic on my pair. I do think the guys to our left, uh, our, other, uh, our other three teammates that were on the pair to our left, I think they did migrate left much quicker, but boy, I'll tell you, by the time we got to singles, um, they were they were all pretty favorable. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's certainly a tougher pattern, but uh, I think our, we were dedicated to staying right long enough and uh, and sacrifice a little bit in doubles so we could try to go back and get as much as we could in, uh, the last three games. The hardest part about it, Tim, is is uh, the guys are so young; they didn't even know what a, what a team Olivens Eagle was. I had to explain it to three of them, and uh, and and they were they. They weren't exactly motivated, knowing that it didn't carry a paycheck, and so uh, uh, you know that's no near nor right or wrong. It just it is what it is. But I, I, uh, I had to kind of encourage them and help them understand how big of a deal this was. And it wasn't until the last game when we started throw all over the crowd and Canazar came down and started, you know, punching his calculator that these guys realized that we were chasing something bigger than they realized. So uh, it, it, it's, it's the whole thing just been a surreal experience. I, uh, hard to put it all in words. Can you go back and all the stuff you bowled on, whether it be Junior Team USA, your collegiate time at uh, Wichita State, does anything kind of compare to this, anything kind of similar that you could come back and look back on it and say, yeah, I kind of played a little bit like this? No. And the only reason I say that is they've done a great job out of that tournament of uh, of m- making them hard without looking hard. They, they don't. You look at the graphs and, and, and you look at the pattern, it doesn't look crazy. I, I made a comment to to our guys, you know, early um, day two when we were in doubles, and I said, you know, this is a this is a pattern that doesn't really have the hold. We're a generation that loves to play the hold. I mean, it's just all these kids have grown up on so much oil and synthetic lanes that their misses are left and whatnot. So this pattern just really didn't allow for that. You really had to play the friction, which is just a little more unusual in today's day and age. So. Um, you know, I and I can't I can't go back and think of any one instance. Uh, I bowled on a lot a lot of patterns. Anybody that's tried to have a state gone through a, a gauntlet at least a few times of, uh, of wild pattern ideas. But uh, um, you know, you just sometimes you get on those patterns, it just forces you to hit targets, and uh, and that's really where it got to the point with us. You know, we're we're going to do what we can do, but bottom line, we don't hit targets, we don't make shots. Nothing good, nothing good is going to come from this. So you know, we. Uh, we 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 just we just did it, you know. So, well, and you say it's it's a shot that you can't. You got to almost play the play a little bit of the swing, but then the minute you swing it too far, <laughs> you're in trouble. It never so, wrinkles. Yeah, it never you wrinkles. Know, yeah, I mean, exactly. We, you, you had to play. You had to play like the first arrow was the gutter, uh, because if you got it past that, you really were begging that it didn't hook. Because if it did, it was not going to be good. You're in two eight ten territory or washout territory, um, and so. You know, and that happened a few times with, with, with all of us. Um, but, uh, but, but once we were able to bump in, um, you know, to the, uh, to the third arrow, uh, area, uh, we really didn't, uh, we focused on that downrange, uh, lane finder, or the downlane range finder and, uh, and tried to, you know, just, just get it to curl around the dark one on the, on, on the tin board. So, um, but you do, you, you have to pretend that that first arrow really doesn't even exist. 
Well, that's great advice for everyone still heading out to Reno. Hey, want to talk quickly about yourself and your game? No, you've made some changes. You're now with Ebonite International. So let's talk about some of the, the equipment that you found to be successful for everyone still going out there who prefers to throw uh, EBI brand. Yeah, you know, I, uh, um, I was fortunate enough. I, I've been in discussion with Steve Zabina a month, month and a half ago. Uh, he said he had an opportunity in our area, and I, uh, I started to kind of get me pretty curious. I... I, when I was on Junior Team USA back in 2008, I actually bought two cases of uh, Ebonite Game Breaker. It was my favorite ball, still is my favorite ball of all time. And seven of them, I've gotten rid of one of them, but seven of them just sat in my basement for uh, almost 10 years now. And so I was just chomping at the bit with the opportunity to try to get back to those. So I did, I did drill one of those, one of the original, one of my original Game Breakers. Uh, didn't really come into play out there. The balls were really dead. Uh, these balls I just drilled, you know, less than 24 hours before getting in the car and heading to Reno. Um, but I had that. I had that misfaith. You know, the, the Game Breaker Two was a no-brainer. Uh, slower ball motion, smoother ball motion. Uh, really, really easy to control out there. And uh, and the ones that really surprised me. I knew they were good. Everybody told me they were good. Um, but the Paradox and the Paradox Pearl uh, were the other two that really came in handy, especially in that uh, in that singles block. You know, I I switched to the Paradox Solid middle of game two uh, in minors and uh, and and used that for about three games. And then I saw one of my teammates to the left had gone to the Pearl and, and really just kind of put my face in his ability to know what was going on because, I, again, I, I, I didn't get a whole lot of crap. I mean, some of these balls, the first time I threw them were in Reno. Uh, and so uh, uh, that was a little bit nerve-wracking, but obviously it worked out. And I, and I have great faith in, uh, in the EVI brand and, and, and the balls that, the, that we drilled to take. But uh, yeah, the, the, the GB2 and the, the Paradox and the Paradox Pearl, those were without a doubt the balls of choice. The Paradox and per, Paradox Pearl is what allowed uh, a lot of sale we did to capture that team all events lead. All right, a final question I have for you guys: Do you have a, do you have someone who's going to be the designated watcher of the final, the webcams and the live streams that's going on and keeping <laughs> their eye on the internet? You got to realize we're we're rookies. You know, I mean, this is all so surreal. I've said it a hundred times already that last year we were thrilled just to get on the board. Um, that was it. That was a big deal for us. And then we come back to second day, and Chris and I almost take the lead in doubles, which was even more surreal. But you know. And, and I was confident the last 365 days of uh, my life, I was confident that was that was probably the best OC trip that I would ever make. And then we come out and we do this. Um, so the whole thing, it, I don't know if it's really sunk in yet. I know we've got some really good teams coming in tonight at 8, 830. I'll be, uh, I'll be watching feverishly all night. And uh, it's just it's just so tough, though. It's like I've, I've said to a couple others, you know, it's not in my nature to wish badly for other people. I mean, I, and I also don't want to win against the worst. I, I, I you know, so I'm, I, I want anybody that's going out, I want them to give it all they got. And, uh, and if, and if cards fall our way at the end, then that's something for us to be proud of. But, uh, uh, still a lot of good teams coming out, uh, coming out to the OC. And so, uh, the, 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 it'll keep us, uh, it'll keep us on our toes for the next 28, 29 days. So. And Brent, I have to remind folks before we wrap things up here, check out BowlingThisMonth.com, bowling's best and most complete technical resource. Lots of great insight in there. There's some articles still up there. Seen the uh, the piece from Jeff Riggles on the USBC Open Championship still there. Got a lot of great ball releases. Seeing the new ones out by Storm, 900 Global, scrolling down, seeing the, all those great equipment. Tons of great equipment, tons of great info. Uh, new layout pieces from uh, from the guys up there. Joe Slowinski has a piece. Mike Jazz now. Uh, it was up there in Reno at Lane 81. So check all those articles out. Lots of great stuff. Again, bowlingthismonth.com. Lots of great stuff. 
All of it's going to help you out and help you become a better bowler for Reno for all your tournaments. Check out the reviews so you get the bowling ball and see the ball motion that you're looking for when you need a new bowling ball. Again, check all that stuff out, bowlingthismonth.com. And Brent, I do want to get your take on this. A lot of changes coming about with USBC Open Championships over the last couple of years. Challenging, the shots have become more challenging than what they once were. Uh, go back a couple of years back in Reno, uh, you know, teams are shooting 3,600. Last couple of years, not so much. Do you guys have, as a, from the younger person's perspective, any thoughts on that? Or is it just you're going to shoe up and bowl and let the chips fall where they may? You know, uh, I've always come from the belief that someone has to win. And, uh, and, I, and, I've, and I've made this argument with a number of with countless college, co- college players in, in my home community in Wichita. Uh, you, you see a lot of polarity. Folks that only want to bowl on the soft stuff, they only want to bowl on the hard stuff, they want to bowl on the long pad and the short pad. They all want to be specialized bowlers, and the bottom line is someone has to win every week. They have to win every time you show up, and I don't care if it's a great wall of China or it's 40-foot flat. I want to knock down as many pins as I can, and I want to win. Um, and so, uh, and, and, I, and I want to know how to do it in, in all the different ways. You know, I want to know how to average 250 and win a tournament, and I want to know how to grind a 195 average and win a tournament. Um, so, you know, the patterns for me, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about is it good or is it bad, uh, mainly because I don't have the ability to change it. Uh, my only, only thing I have the ability to do is to go out and, and, and bowl better than, than, than our opponents. And so, um, you know, certainly has been a transition over the last few years. You know, you see Zeno Garcia's group going to show up tonight, uh, the current record holders with artistic expressions. Uh, that number, I don't see that number being touched for a long time. Um, but, uh, but, but you just don't know until you get out there. I mean, next year we should get out there without seeing the pattern and they could be, they could feel softer than they've ever felt. I, it's just hard to know. Someone always has to win. That's always been my, my theory. And, uh, uh, it's not going to stop us from, from staying aggressive regardless if it's, if it's softer or all right, well, great stuff. Again, Brent Bowers joining us, part of the BowersBowlingTour.com team, the team all-events leader and regular team leaders in Reno as we speak right now. So, uh, Brent, want to thank you for joining us. And like you said, uh, all the best of luck to everyone still heading out there. But um, I know it would be good to have that eagle for you guys, and, and uh, we'll talk down the road. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me.